Sammy told me he worshiped the devil. We were in uh, Dan Tanner's on that restaurant with all the pictures up. Sammy was like, you know, Satan is as powerful as God. And I was like, what the Oh my gosh. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True. This is a show where we learn something new every week. And it's part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent. It's a week later, and I'm still laughing at the headline that I was sent this week. Uh, send in your topics. I want to hear them. The internet says it's true.com. There's a form right there on the sidebar of the homepage where if you know something, some weird fact or interesting history that sounds like it's completely fake, but is actually true, I want to know. So send it in. Maybe I'll do an episode about it. That's exactly what happened this week. And this is what I got from my friend, Jimmy. Hey, Michael, this is Jimmy Mack from Shadowbox Live. And, uh, first of all, I just want to let you know that I love your podcast and um, I was reading about Sammy Davis Jr. And, you know, we all know that, um, or I think we all know that he uh, was Jewish, but there was also another church that he belonged to that I thought was really, really interesting and uh, might make a fascinating topic for your podcast. So uh, check it out, my friend. All right. So that's an intriguing question. Uh, another church. And he sent this to me and then he sent along an article and the headline made me laugh. Here's the headline on the article. Why Sammy Davis Jr. Joined the Church of Satan and Why He Left It. So I wrote back to Jimmy and I said that it would have been a better headline if it just had said, Why Sammy Davis Jr. Left the Church of Satan. So that's what I named this episode. And I have to make this note here because it didn't fit anywhere when I was doing the episode. In researching for this week, I watched a ton of old interviews and documentaries about Sammy Davis Jr. And there's one that while it didn't help for the story, it made me really gain more of an appreciation for the man. If you can find the appearance that he made on the Midday with Bill Boggs show, I found it to be just absolutely enlightening, and it's amazing to me the insight and the wisdom that poured out of Sammy Davis Jr. But this is more of a sensational story this week. Uh, it's not a large part of his life. In fact, it's a very small part of his life, but it's something that you probably have never heard. Sammy Davis Jr. never knew a life outside of show business. As a child, he performed with his father, Sammy Sr., in the Will Maston Trio. They performed from the 1920s all the way to the 1960s, with Sammy Jr. joining them from the age of three in 1928. He was in his first film at age seven. By the time he was 27, he was a huge sensation all over America. He had starred on Broadway, and the nation knew him as a singer, dancer, and actor extraordinaire. His widespread appeal broke through the color barrier in America. They called him Mr. Show Business. Just as he was becoming a huge sensation, Sammy Jr. lost his eye in a car accident. Some credit Frank Sinatra as being the force that helped him retain the momentum of his career, and he was invited to be a part of the group that became known as the Rat Pack. Frank was like a big brother to Sammy. One time, when a theater barred Davis from performing, Sinatra tore up his contract and refused to perform. At the time, the Rat Pack was Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Joey Bishop, Peter Lawford, and Sammy Davis Jr. Here's a little side story. Frank wanted to name the group The Clan, but Sammy opposed for obvious reasons. Then Frank had the idea of calling them The Summit. Then, during an all-night poker game, actress Angie Dickinson mentioned to the men, you look like a pack of rats. The name stuck and the men went on to be associated with each other, whether it be live performances at the Sands in Las Vegas or the several movies they filmed together like Ocean's Eleven, Sergeant's Three, and Robin and the Seven Hoods. 
Someday I'll have me a chauffeur And a block-long limousine EO-11 EO-11 Someday I'll have me a penthouse Stacks and stacks of folding green EO-11 EO-11 It's all a state If you don't know anything about Sammy Davis Jr., you probably know the few bullet points that he himself put into this famous quote, I'm the only black Puerto Rican one-eyed Jewish entertainer in the world. Sammy had found comfort in Judaism during his recovery from the auto accident. He was born to a Catholic mother and Baptist father, but found a connection with Judaism. He saw the parallels between black Americans and the Jewish people in their persecution and struggle. Davis himself had faced his share of struggle, even before the accident. He lived in an America that was still very racially segregated. He got death threats for being in a relationship with Kim Novak, a white actress. He was barred from going to some of the same places as the other Rat Pack members, had to stay in a different section of the hotel, was denied opportunities, and saw many of the same issues as other black Americans in the 1950s and 60s. He had met a Jewish chaplain while recovering from the car accident in San Bernardino Hospital and became intrigued. He converted and studied with Rabbi Max Nussbaum at the Temple Israel in Hollywood. So how in the world did he ever come to Satanism? I mean, is this headline even true? After the break, we'll get into it. Everything is impermanent. Nothing lasts forever. And if you want to enjoy life, you've got to take a leap and live in the moment. One Week Tees is a new t-shirt company that takes that idea to heart. Every week they release a fun new design on a t-shirt, then they permanently retire it after one week. If you don't jump on it, you miss out on it forever. So in effect, every t-shirt they sell is limited edition. At noon every Monday, the new design gets released and the old one goes away. It's a pretty great idea, especially if you want to have a shirt that you can almost guarantee no one else will have. Check out One Week Tees on Facebook and Instagram to see their new design each week. It's the number one week tees. Or check out their website at oneweektees.com. And because you listen to this podcast, use the promo code INTERNET to get 10% off your order. The link is in the show notes. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing bombs, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to theinternetsaysitstrue.com slash deals for the link. I've been traveling again lately, and that means I've been wearing my Scotty Vest jacket, which is awesome for anyone who sort of lives life on the go like I do. It's been awesome for traveling around because it's got tons of pockets for all my gadgets, my phone, my glasses, my wallet, my charging cord, you name it. It's a clothing company I believe in, and I'm confident they've got an article of clothing that you'll love. The best thing you can do is take a look at all the awesome pocket-packed clothing on their website. To get 15% off your order, visit the link in the show notes. Let's get back to the story. 
Okay, at some point, we need to talk about exactly what the Church of Satan is. It isn't at all what you think it is. He shall overthrow the mighty and lay waste their temples. He shall redeem the despised and wreak vengeance in the name of the burned and the tortured. Hail Adrian! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! It's not people in black robes conducting blood sacrifices and drinking goat's blood while listening to heavy metal music. It's mostly a humanist group. It has nothing to do with promoting evil, and it was started as a counterculture group in the 1960s by Anton LaVey. Now, LaVey had studied ritual magic and occult-type beliefs in his life, and he did incorporate some of that into the Church of Satan, but mostly he saw it as an expression of self-assertion rebellion against unjust authority and promotion of wisdom in human beings. They didn't worship God or Satan. In fact, they didn't believe that either one existed. They worshiped the concept of being human. The current leader of the church has stated that it exists to promote the atheist, individualist philosophy, which uses aspects of religion, such as symbolism and ritual, to offer a perspective allowing each adherent to be the center of his or her own subjective universe. Now, more recently, we've heard of the Satanic Temple as existing to protest unconstitutional promotions of Christianity by the government. So like when the Ten Commandments go up in front of a state house like they did in Little Rock, the Satanic Temple erected a giant statue of the goat-like creature Baphomet. This is, of course, a separate group from LaVey's Church of Satan. But just like that group, it isn't what it seems. They never worshipped Satan either, and they promote reason and empathy for fellow humans. On their website, however, they make it clear that this comparison isn't welcome, the, the comparison between the Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple. The Satanic Temple's website states, quote, With unfortunate regularity and much to our chagrin, the Satanic Temple is confused with an earlier organization, the Church of Satan, founded by Anton LaVey in the 1960s. The Church of Satan expresses vehement opposition to the campaigns and activities of the Satanic Temple, asserting themselves as the only true arbiters of Satanism, while the Satanic Temple dismisses the Church of Satan as irrelevant and inactive." End quote. Well, it wasn't irrelevant, nor was it inactive in Sammy Davis Jr.'s partying days. He was at a nightclub with friends, and the Church of Satan was throwing a party. Now, in these days, Sammy partied. Cocaine, alcohol, gambling, women. Sammy Davis Jr. loved women, and he loved the party that the Church of Satan was throwing. It was filled with debauchery and women. His barber had invited him, and soon he joined the church and was attending these meetings and parties regularly. It was a popular group to be involved with at the time. Jane Mansfield was a member, Liberace belonged, and more recently Marilyn Manson. But for Sammy Davis Jr., it was that original party, which some have even described as an orgy, that attracted him to it. He didn't give details, but he said he left because of one of those parties that went awry. That's really all we know about why he left. Davis said in his autobiography, quote, It was a short-lived interest, but I still have many friends in the Church of Satan. I say this to only show that however bizarre the subject, I don't pass judgment until I have found out everything I can about it. People who can put up an interesting case will often find that I'm a willing convert, end quote. Ironically, some years later, Sammy Davis Jr. went on to star in a pilot called Poor Devil, in which he played a demon from hell trying to work his way up out of the furnace room. Well, Lucifer himself says that when someone's really desperate, that's the time they'll sell their soul. Hey, maybe you're right. I know I'm right. Oh, boy. If I could only get the boss to 
Let me have a crack at him. I haven't been inside of that office in 400 years. I'm still mad at you the way you handled the pilgrims at Plymouth Rock, huh? Yeah. Nobody told me they weren't supposed to land. The show never got picked up. But in the framing of this episode, the irony is pretty funny. And so, yes, the internet says it's true. And for that matter, Sammy Davis Jr. himself said it was true. There aren't many people that can say that. Who can say they belonged to the Church of Satan? The Candyman. The Candyman. Ooh, the Candyman can. Well, now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling comedian Lisa Berry. We had Lisa on the show a few weeks ago to talk about the bucket list. Uh, Lisa's a comedian, a performer, and a sketch writer. Her sketches have appeared on BuzzFeed, Hoo Ha Ha, and Funny or Die. She's one of the founding producers of Bus Comedy. Lisa Berry, I am happy to have you back on the podcast. I'm so excited to be back. I had a lot of fun last time. So yeah, I'm really excited to be back. Thank you. Last time we talked about the bucket list. And have you have you been able to share that knowledge with people since you were on? I have. Yes. People don't believe it. They think it's a lot older than it is. A lot. They also, I've had a lot of people dis, like try to dispute that it comes from the movie, but they can't tell me where it came from. So I'm having the same thing. And, and what I say to them is this. If you can prove it. You will be an internet celebrity on Reddit. You will, you will take down the internet if you can prove it. Because everyone claims that they used the, the phrase bucket list before the movie, and no one has proven it. Yes. So. Yeah, exactly. And they cannot say where it came from or like what, yeah, why yeah. they started saying it. It's a weird one. It's a good fight starter. If you're, It's a good bar conversation. And that's what really I started this podcast for was when you're, when you're with friends and you're partying or whatever. Like these are great topics of conversation. And this one <laughs> maybe more so than a lot of the other ones. Some of them, you know, you don't want to bring people down when I'm talking about, you know, uh, some of the more serious topics. But this so, one's good. Yeah. And so, so for this first question, Lisa, we're playing for a joke. So if you get it right, I have oh, to tell okay. a joke. And if you get it wrong, you have to tell me one. Okay. Sammy Davis Jr. belonged to which one of these groups? Was it A... The Church of Scientology, B, the Church of Satan, or C, the Barnum and Bailey Circus. What? Okay, Sammy Davis Jr. Well, he he converted to Judaism, right? So I don't think he was in the Church of Scientology or the Church of Satan. But maybe that's maybe that's the the tricky part. I mean, my guess would be. Barnum and Bailey Circus, just because, I mean, that was such a big part of his thing, but maybe that's what's tricky, but I'm going to say Barnum and Bailey Circus. It was the Church of Satan. Uh, what? Really? <laughs> yes. He did convert to Judaism, uh, but in his partying days, he, so Jimmy Mack sent me this. It's an amazing oh, okay. story. It makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's an amazing story. Um, it's true. Now, it, was, it seems like it was a very short amount of time, but and he basically okay. just did it for the parties. They had these crazy, almost like orgies. Um, they would have the best parties for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Better than the Church of Scientology. <laughs> yeah. And it turns out the Church of Satan like is like Church of Satan trademark. It's like a specific group that this one guy started and it has very little to do with Satan or god or anything it's yes, mostly I think I've, I've heard of of it right well, i think it's like it's more about like um the modern version that you've probably heard of is the satanic temple 
which is oh, those are okay. the people that go and like erect monuments to protest um, First Amendment yeah. violations and things like that. Um, yeah. And I have yet to find a real like Church of Satan that has anything to do with Satan. There are several <laughs> groups and all of them yeah. are just pretty much just like atheist humanist organizations. Um, right. Yeah, seem exactly. Like pretty yeah. Nice people. <laughs> they just have like the clickbaity name. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, it, it is sort of like a counterculture joke thing. But he, he joined and then all he'd know, all we know is from one of his biographies, he said, um, or one of his books, he said, there was one of these parties that went awry. And that's why he left the Church of Satan. So, Oh, and he did not get more specific. And that's as much as we know at this point. And okay. uh, so, yeah, that's that's it. He was part of the Church of Satan. <laughs> I should have guessed it. Yeah. <laughs> how would you know? This was like the headline alone <laughs> is just amazing. Uh, and, and Jimmy sent it to me and the headline was like, why Sammy Davis joined the Church of Satan and why he left. And I'm like, I'm that you can tell the whole story in the part of the headline that just says why why Sammy Davis left the Church of Satan. The whole story's there. So that's the name <laughs> right, of this episode. Yeah. Uh do you have a joke you can tell us? Um so my my son is three years old and he has started getting really into jokes. So I have his favorite joke that I could tell. Okay. Um what is brown and sticky? What? A stick. <laughs> 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 so that's bad. my my three-year-old son's favorite uh, current joke. <laughs> my my buddy jonathan um used to tell a series of of jokes and one of them was what was brown and sticky a stick and then he would say what oh, yeah. is brown and chewy chewbacca <laughs> so that's one that now you can give to your son next time he runs that joke on you you go back okay. assuming yeah he knows i mean chewbacca i don't is. think he'll know who chewbacca is yeah but that's that, maybe so, that's a joke for later <laughs> yeah uh okay so fantastic job let's move on question two for this question we're playing for an admission of something we do well so if you get it right you got to tell us something you're good at if you get it wrong i'll tell you something i'm good at this is always uncomfortable that's yeah. why it's uh stakes on a question <laughs> yeah okay i really want to get this one right yeah <laughs> sammy davis jr attained what level of education a fifth grade b 12th grade or c None at all. Hmm. I really, I have no clue. So this is going to be a total guess. And I don't even think I have anything to base it on. Um, so I'm going to say probably not 12th grade, just because that doesn't seem, that's like, a, that doesn't seem that interesting, I guess. Um, so that's why I would rule out 12th grade, just because I don't know why that would be a question. That's like okay. a real, real normal level of education to attain um so i think it would either be fifth grade or none at all um so i am gonna say this is a total total guess i'm gonna say none at all you are correct what a guess none at all uh yeah you you got that one right he never from the age of three was performing with his dad in the the will uh the will what was it no <laughs> Not the, the, Barnum Circus, not, the, the, <laughs> not the Barnum and Bailey Circus. I know that. Not the Barnum and Bailey. The Will Maston Trio. I didn't want to misquote. The Will Maston Trio uh, with Sammy Sammy Davis Sr. And uh, yeah, he he from the time he was three was performing, you know, with that. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, no school at all for him. You got it right, and so I got to tell you something that I do well. Um, we something I'm good at. 
I, you know, I've been doing character traits for these types of things, but I want to say I'm a good cook. Not you? a character trait. I am a good cook. I love to cook. I What's your cook. favorite thing to cook? Uh, I like stir fry right now. I'm on like a stir fry kick. So that's sort of my current favorite thing. Uh, I Now, there are things that I make well, like I have a great lasagna and I have a really oh great chili. But Lasagna is my, my favorite food to eat. Oh, so. my gosh. <laughs> I found I, I have a recipe that's like sweet sauce and um, it just takes so long to make, but I rarely make it. And there are only two of us, right? So it's like a lot of food for just two of us. Because when you make yeah. lasagna, you're making, <laughs> I mean, it's it feeds eight. So, right. So, uh my chili is really good too. I, I years and years ago started with a Wendy's copycat chili recipe from the internet. Cause I, I like, I like the soupy type of chili and over the years I've like tweaked it. So oh. I really like my chili, but chili is one of those things that people have a specific taste for a specific kind and anyone can, it's not really cooking. That's just sort of experimenting. Like, yeah. I feel like chili is people are so um, particular about their chili and yeah, you're right. Like I feel like there's just so many variations that yeah. everybody kind of has their own. Some people like it sweeter. Some people like it with more meat. Some people like it yeah. with more beans. Some people like it with no beans. How hard is it for like chili cook-off judges? How do you do I know. that? I mean, do they have <laughs> like, they must have rules, right? Like it's this specific type of chili. I would think because otherwise it's just completely subjective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, this yeah. doesn't taste like my mom's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boo, down vote. <though. laughs> so I'm bad at baking. Um, I make a um, an apple pie, but I use the Pillsbury crust, like the roll, the like, you know, the crust that you get at the grocery store because I can't make yeah. a crust better than that. And it's good. And my apple I, pie is killer. Yeah. But that's it. I, I don't bake. I, um, I have to say, I'm, I feel like I'm going to get, um, some enemies saying this because people don't like it when I say this, I'm not a big fan of pie in general, but a big part of that. And I apologize to any, this will be a test to see if any of my friends are listening to this because I have a lot of friends that don't know this. I don't like most pie crust. Like I think most store-bought pie crust is better than like homemade pie crust apologies to all of my friends that make pie and rave about their pie crust yeah. I probably crust is the thing right like that's what you that's what makes you proud of the pie otherwise you're just putting a bunch of stuff in another <laughs> right? stuff. there's nothing that difficult you know about the other so, although I do have yeah. a couple secrets for the inside of my apple pie that uh I got from my late uncle Roger uh and um you know some because he he used to have an apple orchard this is my wife's uncle he used to have an oh, apple okay. orchard and so he used to make apple pies and he get, he passed down some wisdom. My grandpa had great apple pies too. So baking I mean, is just, we're, you know what? Yeah. It's, it's when most people are listening to this, it's going to be Monday morning and it's like <laughs> 8 a.m. And we're making people like want apple pie. So let's move on. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> you're one for, you're, you're one for two. Question three. For this question, we're playing for a coveted The Internet Says It's True sticker that are very hard to come by, except every week on this program. Uh, when Sammy was a child performer, he was too young to meet the labor laws of many states that they toured through on vaudeville. How did he bypass these laws? A, he billed himself as, quote, Silent Sammy the Dancing Midget and walked around backstage with a rubber cigar in his mouth and a woman on each arm. B, he got a special letter from President Herbert Hoover's Labor Secretary, James L. Davis. C, he entered the building stacked on another kid's shoulders in a trench coat. Oh my gosh. I mean, I really want the right answer to be A, because I love that so much. 
Um, I think it's probably not right, though. Um, but I really want that to be right. So I'm not going it, to... It's like um, when you bet against your team. Like, I'm not going to pick A, because then I'll still be happy if it's A. <laughs> um, and then C, I also would love for it to be, because um, that's amazing. But I think probably the most likely answer is B. So I'm going to go with B, the letter from Herbert Hoover's secretary. Is that it? Silent Sammy the Dancing Midget was oh a real thing that they called Sammy Davis Jr. They gave him a rubber cigar and a woman on each arm and pretended that he was just a little person backstage. Oh my gosh, that that's amazing. Real... That's that's my favorite fact that I think I've ever heard. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a that's a great piece of trivia right there. Um and then I, he just he moved from the rubber cigar to the real cigar and he did. There was no yeah. He, he just that's maybe that started his smoking habit. Um, but there's some a lot of footage that you can find of Sammy Davis around this time dancing he was in a film um, around that time and and you can see him he looks exactly like he did later I mean he's got the exact same face and uh, yeah just shorter just just a short a smaller version (laughs) it's almost like you know as humans it's a thing that we do anywho um, (laughs) you're one for three but that one was worth the loss yes 100% um, yeah question four (laughs) For this question, if you get it wrong, you have to tell us about one of your favorite comedians. It won't be who is your favorite comedian, because I know how difficult that question is. Um, Mm -hmm. Just tell us about any of your favorite comedians. And when you get it wrong, I'll tell you about mine, because this is another one that's very difficult. Which one of these film roles was originally meant for Sammy Davis Jr.? A, Beetlejuice. B, The Penguin and Batman. Or C, Danny DeVito's character in Twins. Oh, oh! I have absolutely no idea. This one's hard. This one's really hard. I have absolutely no idea. What was what was B? B was the Penguin and Batman. I'm gonna guess the Penguin and Batman. I have no reason for it. It's it's a total guess. So the answer is Beetlejuice. What? Can you imagine Sammy Davis Jr. as Beetlejuice? So I Tim Burton, who made Beetlejuice was a huge fan of Sammy Davis Jr. It was a childhood idol of Tim Burton, right? And um, so that was his first choice. He wanted to cast him as the title character in Beetlejuice in 1988. Um, now, Sammy Davis, this was, uh, Sammy died in, I believe, 1990. So this would have been late in his life. But Warner Brothers was the one that shot down that idea. It was, it was the studio who refused. So we never got to meet Sammy Davis Jr. as Beetlejuice. But Keaton, obviously, Gosh. great Beetlejuice. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was actually, um, I was very small, so I don't know why this is the case. That was actually the first movie I ever saw in the theater. No way. I was, I was a very small child, so I have no idea why, but yeah. You must have been I think my parents maybe thought it was like more kid friendly than it was. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that is, I can imagine it's, that's a weird movie it like to put an age on because it is yeah whimsical but it's also <laughs> that sand snake is is scary stuff a little scary yeah 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 and you've got the when they go off the bridge in the beginning my gosh um, yeah yeah that is that is amazing now, intense yeah tell it, me it, it kind of like um set i i loved it though and yeah. it kind of like set my taste in movies for the rest of my life <laughs> That's great. So what does that mean? What other movies does someone? Who... Well, I mean, I, I love like I love Tim Burton movies. I was, sure. I, I was, was going to say, like, are you just only watch Michael Keaton movies? Yeah, Birdman. <laughs> I mean, I did love Birdman. Birdman so. was weird. 
I enjoyed it, but it, it was, was weird. What a w- it was weird. Yeah, yeah. I think I like. Yeah, I mean, I like kind of not like any like gory weird, but I I like kind of like weird movies. I like very mainstream movies too. I'm not trying to say that I'm like a yeah. film. I don't know snob or anything. <laughs> <laughs> like I like all of them, but yeah, and Tim Burton movies are all great. Yes. Um, I, yeah. So, do you have a, a a favorite comedian? You don't have, you know, or, or you can just name like maybe one or two of your favorites. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit hard, right? Because I, I also, since I am a comedian, I love a lot of the like unknown comedians, but that I know as people. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I have I have a lot of those comedians that I I love. Um. And so, I guess if I, you know, I can shout out a couple of those. I mean, Mary Santora is a Cleveland out of uh, or a comic out of Cleveland, and she's awesome. I think everybody should definitely follow her. Um, Holly Lene is another comedian that you probably don't know, but she's, she's great too. Um, but as far as like bigger names, I mean, I, I really still love Maria Bamford a lot. She's, she's one of my favorites for sure. I just think that she really in a sort of a different way than I think some other female, cause lots of female comedians have done things to sort of turn what people think of female comedians on their head. I just think Maria Bamford did it in a really unique way. She kind of, I feel like changed what a female comedian could could be and what people thought of her. And I also think like she, you know, among others, but I just think she was so raw and honest and vulnerable about, um, you know, mental illness issues and struggles she was having and made it so funny. And I just, I don't know. I just, I love Maria Bamford. Yeah. And family stuff. She, she was really great. She is, she is really great. She's still with us. I don't know why I said was. (laughs) I did a gig with with Maria Bamford once. Um, oh wow! It was well, and it wasn't planned or anything. It was just um, my buddy ran a room in uh, Echo Park in Los Angeles, and I was just visiting. And he was like, "Hey, why don't you come and do a, a guest set?" You know, so I just did like you know one bit. Well, I did like seven minutes, and she just did a guest set because she was writing. She just was working on material, so it was really interesting to hear her do stuff that wasn't. It was really interesting because Maria ba- Maria Bam-, Bam Maria Bamford, geez, um, she you know there's a very heavy character that she's yeah. doing, and there was none of that yet because she was just working on the material at this point. Wow. Yeah, it was it was really cool to see. It was very funny. I mean, she's very very funny. And you know, I made a I just wrote down a couple comedians in case you got this question right. And um, the very first one on my list was was Mary Santora. Oh yeah, because okay. I've been she's great. I've been watching so much of her stuff, and it's so solid. Like, I know that she's been working a while, but it feels like she yes. just came out of nowhere. Um, she didn't, but it feels like she did. Like, it's just all of a sudden, she seems like solid, like so solid. Yeah. It makes me laugh every time. So absolutely, I I agree because yeah, she's she has been working for a while, and yeah, I mean she didn't. Yeah, I mean, I have known her for a while, so she hasn't really come out of nowhere. But I agree with you that it was like she suddenly like kind of went to that next level, I yeah, feel like. Yeah, and she like hit a stride that's just, just really funny. Yeah, I mean, she's she's great. And I yes, I definitely think everybody should should check her out. For yeah. sure. She's hilarious. She posts a lot of her crowd work videos on her TikTok and um, she's just so confident and so, so um, yeah. quick with that stuff. It's, yeah. It's she's great. so quick. Yes. Yeah. So now do you have any C-Bus comedy shows coming up in town? We do. Um, so, I mean, we're always at the station, which is a, a place in Hilliard mm-hmm. where, where we both live um, at the last Thursday of, of every month in the Columbus area. So, you know, we'll have one at the end of May. We'll have one at the end of June. Um, I'm really excited about both of them. We've also though, 
in addition to both of those shows, we've got a, an extra show coming up that I'm so excited about. It's at Natalie's Music Hall in Grandview. It's going to be on, um, let me get the date right. Sure. Let me look it up real quick. I don't want to get the date wrong. It's, I think, on June 10th, if that's a, yeah, the Friday, June 10th. Um, and it's actually, go, our headliner is going to be Holly Lene. And she is hilarious. Also, she's been touring a lot with Chelsea Handler. Um, so she's she's going to be our headliner. And it's also going to have you know me and Nikki Winkleman's going to be on it. And um, Pat and uh, Pat Deary and Tom Flew. Uh, and I think it's going to be a really, really wow. great show. So all great names. I would That's, love for people to check that show yeah, out. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, you're one for uh, four. <laughs> one <laughs> for four. And uh so for this one, it's it's your way to redeem yourself. It's for all the marbles. Okay. If you get this wrong, I'm banning you from the show. You'll never be asked on again. Here's your question. I'm so nervous. This is so much pressure. Lots of pressure. This is open-ended, no multiple choice. You're on your own. Who was the first entertainer who inspired you? Oh. If you say Michael Keaton shows over, it's done right here. We're just going to end the <laughs> podcast. No music, just cutting it off. Just cut out immediately. <laughs> it's like end of Sopranos is right. how this is going to end. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, does it have to be an entertainer? Not necessarily. I love or, the so openness I, of this. Yeah, just just uh, whoever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can try and think of an entertainer also because, I mean, there have been a lot, but I'm trying to think of the first one. But I feel like the first sort of entertainment thing that really inspired me and sort of made me feel like, I don't know, I kind of, it was The Simpsons, I guess. The it, Simpsons. I, I feel like The Simpsons was really the first thing I saw that I just like, uh, I just like so felt like I connected with it. And I, it's so funny because even now as an adult, sometimes I'll watch like really old episodes of The Simpsons and I'll realize a certain cadence that I have or a certain way I have of saying things. It comes from some of those really early episodes Isn't of The that Simpsons awesome. that more than like anything else. And there's been so many things that have influenced me and so many entertainers and people, but that was absolutely the first thing that really formulated even now still what my comedy style and leanings are and like I said, even certain ways that I'll say things or, you know, ways that I'll tell jokes, I'll watch, you know, especially like sometimes I, this maybe is going to date myself because now it's so old, but there was this episode of the Simpsons that's very old. That was like a crossover with the X-Files. Uh, <laughs> and I, and Leonard Nimoy was the, <laughs> was like a narrator. It was told in a little bit of a different style and the way that they had Leonard Nimoy say some things influenced me even. That's amazing. That so I didn't realize until years and years later, I was watching that episode. I was like, Oh, that's why I say that. that that's way. a deep cut. One day, like on some interview, when someone asks about an inspiration, I want you to be very specific in the future <laughs> and say, uh, that was inspired by Leonard Nimoy as a Simpsons character. <laughs> and I will. And, and like that, <laughs> Not regular Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy in this yeah. one particular episode of The Simpsons is the is the inspiration behind that bit. Yeah, so I guess you could say he was the earliest entertainer that influenced <laughs> yeah, me. Simpsons cartoon Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> that's great. And that is a correct answer, so you're welcome back on the show. Okay. <laughs> I I have a, a similar thing that I've recently discovered in, in Bill Murray um, appearances oh, in movies. Yeah. There are several things in my act where I'll watch like Stripes. And yeah. there's like a line in Stripes where he goes, uh, who cried when Old Yeller got shot? 
Right. Nobody cried when old Yeller got shot. Like that's, <laughs> and he holds his hand up and says that. And there's a line yeah. in my show where I say, who cries at movies? I don't mind telling you, I cry at movies. I saw up <laughs> shit, you know, like, I, the, yeah, it's like exactly the cadence and everything from there. Yeah. And I had no idea until, you know, I watched this thing and I'm like, yes. oh, wow, you it's know, you we pick up, we pick up things. And so, you know, not yeah. no pressure parent, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> one day your kid's going to be like, well, there's a way my mom says this one line that sounds like Leonard Nimoy from The Simpsons. <laughs> I know he's, yeah, 20 years from now, he'll like watch some super old Simpsons episode and be like, oh, wait a minute. And it'll be a Simpsons oh, episode that hasn't even aired yet. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be like, it was so old. Oh right, my yeah. gosh. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, Google CBUS comedy, C-B-U-S comedy, and you will find the shows that Lisa both does comedy in and produces. And I'll be doing a show with CBUS Comedy later this year. I'll tell you about that when we get closer to time. But uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining me, Lisa. Yes, thank you for having me back. This was so much fun. I hope to come back someday. <laughs> well, that's all for this week. Thanks to Jimmy for the topic. This was a really fun one. And thanks to Lisa Berry for being my guest. Here's a kid who probably would love to meet the Candyman. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. Don't forget to join up on Patreon if you want to see the unedited video of the guest appearance or to hear bonus episodes. You can do that at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from the show, please visit iTunes and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You gotta do it. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new. If the internet says it's true. The internet says it's true. We'd like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, and the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show was written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge. And additional music this week was from Kevin McLeod and John Daly and the 41 Players. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under fair use title 17 USC section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. 